Welcome to the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast, featuring Ted Ings and his distinguished guests. Each week, you'll gain valuable insights to level up your game in retail automotive's fixed operations. This episode is brought to you by BG Products, partners beyond products. And now, here's Ted Ings. Welcome back to the Fixed Ops Roundtable, and it is a great honor uh, to share with our audience now uh, two distinguished gentlemen uh, from our industry uh, who have the respect of their peers. Um, I want to welcome back uh, Dale Pollack, who is the uh, founder of uh, V Auto, uh, and Dennis McGinn, who is the owner of uh, Rapid Recon. Uh, Dale and Dennis, welcome to the Fixed Ops Roundtable. Thank you, Ted. Good to be with you. Thank you, Ted. Appreciate the opportunity. Um, gentlemen, great having your insights uh, into, the, uh, into the industry and uh, telling us as, as, as you perceive things to be right now. And um, uh, Dale, I know our audience is very interested in, um, in your feedback uh, as well. Um, uh, tell us a little bit, uh, Dale, where you see us right now at the industry uh, we had you on the show last year with Brian Benstock, and uh, I think the term that you and I discussed uh, very recently is that we are at a uh, a transition moment. Kind of take us through that, if you would. Sure. By now, it's clear to everybody that last year, 2021, was a very unusual year, certainly the most unusual year that I've seen in my four decades of automotive experience. Um, it would had a lot of unusual aspects, but perhaps one of the most significant uh, aspects of last year is that we saw a used car market, which throughout the entire year, virtually all of the year, appreciated. And that just doesn't happen. I mean, we know that automobiles are depreciating assets, and yet across virtually every sector of vehicle, every price class, vehicles last year appreciated. And in a certain sense, it was like the suspension of the laws of physics. Um, dealers, in many cases, could do no wrong. Um, dealers could buy a car today, hang on to it for a very long time, and likely do even better than if they had sold it earlier. And I believe that that very fortunate uh, condition set up um, an environment where Perhaps some of us may have lost some of the discipline that we had going into the year. And certainly this year is a different year. The early part of this year showed us a used car market for the first time that uh, was depreciating in value. We saw a modest bump in the springtime uh, tax selling season, but not nearly the bump that we had anticipated seeing. Uh, tax refunds were a bit larger this year. Uh, they were a bit delayed, and consequently, we thought that the spring selling season that we expected would come, but perhaps a little bit later. So here we are in the middle of May, and what we now know with most all of the refunds having been issued is that we did see a spring tax selling bump season, but it, it, it wasn't to the extent that we had seen in previous years. So it was last month, roughly the middle of April when our Cox economists uh, seeing this trend revised their 2022 annual forecast uh, of used vehicle retail sales down approximately 500,000 units 
from 22.2 million to 21.1 million. And what we believe is likely to occur in the balance of this year is a seasonal depreciation trend that will likely be accelerated. Um, we all know that we've seen and are told we'll continue to see rising interest rates, which create headwinds for automobile buyers. And we also um, understand that values, although we expect them to decline in the, be- in the second half of this year, they're at such high levels that um, it, it's very hard for somebody who wants to upgrade their vehicle to a one, two, or three-year-old used vehicle, new used vehicle, uh, to find one uh, because the, the supply of them is so short. And when you do find them, they likely have uh, extraordinarily high miles. So somebody would have to, uh, if they want to upgrade their used vehicle to a newer used vehicle, they're going to have to spend a lot more money and they're going to get a vehicle perhaps that doesn't have too many fewer miles than the one they already have. And in, in that sort of a condition, um, it's reasonable for people to say, well, you know, I'll, I'll just keep my car. And in fact, that's what we're seeing them doing. We have evidence from a number of different sources that uh, fixed operations, maintenance, repair is, is up all across the country. So it kind of all makes sense, but still there are many variables and unknowns. So at Cox Automotive, we literally uh, monitor it on a daily basis and do our best to provide the industry updated forecasts um, as, as we see appropriate. Dale, Going back to what you just mentioned about fixed operations, um, you know, we're seeing that across the board as well. Um, you know, what do you foresee now going into uh, the balance of, uh, of 2022 for fixed ops service and parts? There's a lot of, a lot of challenges that we didn't have in the past now, you know, with uh, shortages, not just on inventory, but on the parts as well in being able to work on a lot of these vehicles. Sure. I mean, shortage of, Parts due to supply uh, chain constraints. And, you know, as, as you and Dennis and most all of us know very well, the, the labor shortage, and particularly in the area of skilled technicians, is, is yet another challenge. So, you know, for the most part, I think it's fair to say that service departments are backed up. And as service departments get backed up, uh, all too often the internal department, specifically the used car department, all too often unfortunately, goes to the back of the line. So we can also see time to the front line uh, being depressed. And, and this is, you know, where, where reconditioning systems like Dennis's and others, rapid recon and others, become very important because, you know, kind of out of sight, out of mind. But if we can keep the initiative of getting vehicles ready for the front line uh, front and center, it, it helps us prioritize them more appropriately. And Dale, this is Ted. You mentioned the um, the discipline, okay, uh, and the disciplines. Um, talk to us a little bit uh, on that reconditioning side, and, and then Dennis, then I'll come to you. Um, talk to us a little bit about uh, the accountability and the accuracy, uh, you know, on the dealer side when making trade uh, and other, you know, buying decisions. Um, what are some of your thoughts there? It, it's really frighteningly discouraging that we can see in the V-Auto system that the, the number, of, or the, I should say the frequency at which um, default reconditioning amounts are changed is frighteningly low. In, in other words, just to put a finer point on that, a, a dealer might say in their appraisal system that the standard recon 
let's just say is $1,100. However, it is the responsibility of the appraiser to do an active, thorough assessment of the vehicle's condition and modify that default uh, reconditioning amount as appropriate. And it's discouraging how infrequently that number is modified. So, so what does that say? That says that um, we're skipping really important steps. And, and whenever the actual reconditioning amount uh, comes in that differs in any substantial way to the amount that was used to determine the appraised value of the vehicle, uh, that comes at a cost. It either, you know, if, if that number is too high, if it comes in higher, I should say, than the default that was not changed, then that's additional gross that should have been taken into consideration when the vehicle was purchased but was not. So it affects the front end gross. If the appraisal amount is substantially lower than the default amount, it likely means that we may have missed some opportunities to make some deals. So, so you know, one aspect, and, and Dennis and I have talked about this through the years, one aspect that's really disturbing about the reconditioning and, and the appraisal of the acquisition process is the fact that it seems that an accurate assessment of the vehicle's condition and repair needs is is often overlooked or or not taken as seriously as it should, and it and it definitely comes at a cost. But beyond that, you know, it, it's what I referenced a moment ago. It's it's the all too often lacks a daysical approach getting those vehicles to the shop, and uh, that's that's just another issue that comes at a cost. So. You know, reconditioning continues to be a great area of opportunity for improvement for dealers. And and I would suggest that as this year goes on and business is not quite as robust as what we'd hoped for or had seen last year, you know, every penny counts. And reconditioning is certainly a great area for dealers to find um, opportunity for improvement. Dennis, can you speak to that? Oh, yeah, probably too long, but anyway, and 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 you know, I have talked with Dale over the years, and he always has some great insights, and he's always a step ahead of everybody else. So I appreciate even being in this conversation with you guys. Uh, but yeah, the, the it's so true. We see those attempts at uh, estimating what the reconditioning costs will be, and they're they're usually plugs, basically, and and so there's. And there's a lot to be gained there. I totally agree with Dale on that too. I mean, th- those people should <clears throat> be able to, to to find out how that how their decision impacted the gross profit or they decide to wholesale a car or not. I mean, and, and and that doesn't happen. I'm working on some ideas there. I know Dale probably is too, but I think it's really important. And I totally agree with him. This is a this is a big opportunity for the industry. And yeah, it's probably gotten a little lax because people were, you know, could do no wrong last year. And so the the idea of margin compression, which again is, you know, another term I heard Dale use a lot, it, it has been kind of out of sight, out of mind. But I, I think it's going to be going to be back. Um, so that a comment on that. Uh, maybe a, another little expanded point here too would be uh, more or less the. The, the need for fixed and variable to start seeing themselves as being on the same page. And, you know, you have an enormous audience and, and, and I have, I came into this thing saying, okay, well, reconditioning is really not accountable. Nobody believed anybody else's numbers and finger pointing was kind of the way 
the way that they thought that was the thing to avoid. So we've made a lot of progress in that, you know, the time to line, starting with average Jason recon. So that's become a real thing. And I'm, I'm tickled to death to see, but we're still a long ways away from being able, people to be able to convert that to, well, how much am I really making out of that? How do I tie all those things together? <clears throat> but my latest initiative uh, is really about the transparency message because, uh, and, and it, it kind of goes to this question, well, we did all this work to these cars, we did all this reconditioning, and if nobody, if the customer doesn't know about it, what good is it? And the industry, including what we've done, hasn't been particularly good at helping uh, on that point. <clears throat> and so I, I, I really feel like that is a big uh, opportunity. And uh, so I've got a lot of things I'm thinking about, but I think what's happened is the customers are a lot smarter. They've gotten a lot wiser, I think, in the last couple of years. And you know, maybe Amazon has helped a lot and things like that, but they're, they're, they're buying co more cars that are more sophisticated. They're spending more money. The people want to know all about everything about the car and, and, and uh, so they can make an appropriate decision. And it isn't just the guys doing the cars. I mean, it's, it's all across the board. I see it. And so I think part of what I think I'm trying to get across and, and, and bring to the industry in a little way is to get the fix and variable guys to see, hey, all that work that's being done to get this car ready to sell to the front line, we've got to do a better job of getting it in, in a way so the, the people buying the cars can actually do the analysis, see all that value. Mm -hmm. You know, let's, 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 let's not get back to this price, uh, beating ourselves off on the price. Let's, so let's talk about how we take that information and provide more value before we get to the price. Dale, these topics that we're talking about now, including the reconditioning, uh, there's never been so much focus, Dale, on reconditioning, you know, in terms of uh, dealers and, uh, you know, managers. And uh, can, you, can you speak to that as well? Well, I agree. There's never been as much focus as there is now, but I would say that there still needs to be a, a lot, a whole lot more focus because, you know, and, and Dennis sees it as I do, you know, all too often there's little, if any, visibility into the reconditioning process. So, so yes, we've come a long way, but we also have a long way to go. You know, two points that Dennis referenced that I'd like to just comment on. One is, is I think it's a really a big miss if the dealership's fixed stop manager doesn't have a significant component of their compensation program tied to used vehicle turn. It's, it's just too easy and too often for the used car department's uh, vehicles to go to the back of the line. And, and you know, it, it comes at a cost, but unfortunately that cost doesn't surface neatly and discreetly on a line on the financial statement. But anybody who thinks that a car sitting out back for an additional day or week without being reconditioned doesn't come at a cost. They just don't understand the reality of today's rapidly um, de declining used vehicle wholesale marketplace. So it, it's a huge cost. Every day a car doesn't get reconditioned that it otherwise might've been. So tying that used car managers, or excuse me, that fixed stop managers compensation to the used vehicle department's performance and, and perhaps more, most, specific, most specifically to the turn 
I, I think is just a big miss. And then the second thing that Dennis commented on that I'll just elaborate, you know, I, I, I work in the data world. And, and I think all good data people have an understanding that if you're going to go to effort to collect data, you never throw it away. Even if you don't think that it has any value today, uh, you don't know that it won't have some value tomorrow. So, so if I just sort of take that principle of data management to, to use cars, it is absolutely a shame that, as Dennis said, we, we recondition these cars. We put work and money and love and care into their, their reconditioning process, into the reconditioning, and, and we fail to communicate that uh, to the shopper, you know, when we go to sell the car. And, and that's just a huge miss. So, I, you know, I, I agree with Dennis wholeheartedly that that transparency, putting out, you know, front with, with pride, all the work that we've done to the vehicle doesn't diminish the vehicle and only enhances its value and also differentiates it from a lot of other vehicles that otherwise would appear to be very similar. Dennis, I see that you're smiling. and uh, Yeah, it, this is, thank, thank you, Dale. This is, I think, let me just make one example here, okay. which is, and I've seen a lot of new things since we've learned more about packet technology and things like that, and what the, what the customers are looking at. I mean, heat maps and things like that about what's important to them. And I'm thinking, well, why shouldn't the, the lead technicians and their people see these heat maps that what are the customers looking at that, you know, if brakes and tires and safety and, and other things are that important, let's, let's, let's let it be visible on both ends. And maybe that'll help us get kind of these two entities together who have been at war a lot, right? You know, it's, where are my cars? The, uh, I, they, we took trades last week. Why aren't they on the front line? That whole thing. And, and you know, the, all the argument of what rates are we going to charge? You know, and, and, and they're, my feeling is we're, they're in the same business. They, they, don't, they, 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 they don't quite see it that way yet. But I think part of our role is to help them bridge this gap between fixed and variable. And I think that's, that's a big deal. Dale? Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more, Ted. And uh, and your comments on the uh, on the pay plan, I think, really hit home. You know, for yes. that fixed ops director and uh, and uh, Dennis. Not only is there that increased focus on reconditioning, but in fixed ops overall, especially now uh, these last couple of years with the volatile swings, you know, in uh, in the market on the uh, on the variable side as well. Um, Dennis, kind of uh, take us through, if you don't mind. Um, if I'm a if I'm a dealer or a general manager and uh, I'm concerned with keeping my team executing, okay, uh, for the success that we've enjoyed, uh, you know, especially in the last year, you know, Dennis, what would you advise? And um, you know, maybe what are some of the ways that you could help us? Okay, so so the, the, this transparency idea, every, you know, people use that word, but it doesn't mean anything a lot. <clears throat> in the context I'm using it, it it, it means exactly. What did we do? What, what, what did we invest in this? And how do we get that in front of the customers that are making a decision? How do we take that value and put it out there? And, and, and I think it's going to take the, the general managers and, the, uh, and their, uh, the group people to, to, to say, hey, guys, I'm looking at that. I mean, we'll give them the data, and, 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 but they have to kind of encourage their organization. I mean, that transparency thing, if I were a GM, I'd say, hey, that's going to be part of my culture. I'm going to have this transparency. It's got to start 
at one end and it's got to work all the way across. And uh, um, so that that's just my thought there. It, the, the, my transparency thoughts are all the way across. It's the people and the culture, but it is also what we do that builds value that needs to get it to uh, the customer's decision early up front. Dale, can you imagine that? We're talking about transparency here in the car business and in fixed operations. Dale, I never would have imagined that to be a topic uh, even just a couple of years ago. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You're right. It, you know, transparency was not forefront in the car business for many years. But, you know, to the credit of the industry and dealers, I, I think it's becoming understood that uh, being transparent with consumers is is what they need and what they want and what they demand. So I, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, I'm personally involved in a lot of conversations about transparency on the retail sales side, but, you know, it, it is true you, uh, on, on, the, on the fixed operation side. Um, transparency is every bit as important and, and maybe arguably more, you know, maybe the, the, the black box, the repair is even more mysterious to the consumer that today than the sales process. You know, one, one other point I, I want to bring up, and I would appreciate both of your perspectives on this. Another very unfortunate paradigm of, of reconditioning, and, and I, to a certain extent, I understand this. I mean, dealers want to keep all the work they can in the shop. And, and I, I, I agree with it. I mean, keep all the work you can in the shop, but to a point. And, and if and when the shop cannot get to the work, the reconditioning work on a timely basis, sublet it. Because what you're literally doing is, is you're tripping over dollars to, to, to you know, make nickels. The, the used car market uh, value of a vehicle declines every single day. And, and these days, unfortunately, at an accelerated rate. So um, it, is, it is a vestige of old thinking of the past to say that absolutely nothing should be outsourced. And, and today, although I agree that you want to keep everything you can, please don't keep it in the shop at the expense of delay for getting vehicles ready to the front line, because I would submit that the cost of that is greater than most dealers recognize. Gentlemen, uh, last question for today, a lightning round, if you will, if you'd both sum it up in about a minute, uh, Dennis, I'll come to you first and then Dale. Uh, Dennis, what advice would you have for our audience, our, our dealers, GMs, fix ops, uh, and service and part directors? Uh, Dennis, what advice do you have moving into 2022? Uh, and then I'll come to Dale with that same question. Yeah. So, so I, I, I think in spite of everything that's going on out there, this is still a very exciting business and it's in a very exciting time. And, and, and it's, a, it's an opportunity for growth both in terms of the fact that customers want more, they're spending more, they're smarter. How do we take advantage of that? And it'll go all, all around. What goes around comes around. So, you know, if you do it right on the front end, you build trust, you build value, they'll be back on the service drive. You'll get, you'll kind of get what you put out there. So my advice is this transparency thing is not just a word. I think it's something, if I were a GM or a, a, a group or I would say, how do we, how do we get that in the culture? How do we build that across? We can provide the data to help them do that. And so that's my two cents. Love it. And Dale. 
As I alluded to earlier, one of the greatest concerns I have for dealers is the fact that we've come off such a great time. And and let's celebrate the the fact that the last two years have been really wonderful and in many respects, very easy to do well. Um, This year, uh, I think, is, is shaping up to be a pretty good year, but it's not as easy of a year as last year was. And, and I think consequently, now is the time for us to recommit ourselves to discipline, to process, to systems, to methods, and to accountability. Great advice from two industry leaders, uh, Dale Pollack, the founder of V Auto, and uh, Dennis Begin, the owner of Rapid Recon. Uh, gentlemen, on behalf of the Fixed Ops community and the Fixed Ops Roundtable, I want to thank you so much for your time here today. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you, Ted. Really appreciate being able to, to, to uh, participate here. Dale Pollock and Dennis Begin here today at the Fixed Ops Roundtable.